Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now to break down all the market action. Good to see you again, Ryan Huang. Yeah, welcome back, Michelle. How was your break? Absolutely fantastic. Yes. Lovely to see you You've again. Got a bit of a glow going on right now. <laughs> Thank you. It should end by the end of today. <laughs> uh, after being away for two weeks, uh, during that time, I see the Nasdaq has recaptured the 14,000 mark, the S&P 500 up more than 2.5%. The Dow and Asian markets have gained ground as well. So fill me in, Ryan. How has the market narrative changed over the past fortnight? Yeah, I would say not a lot has changed. We are still waiting for more numbers around the US economy to steer the Federal Reserve's decision for the FOMC meeting in a couple of weeks' time. By and large, we are seeing that ongoing picture about the US economy slowing down. So I suppose that is what people are looking out for. And I also, I guess, highlight that the month of August was a pretty sluggish one, a bit of up and down. But overall, uh, we ended last week on a bit of a high note, so to speak, if you look at the numbers last week for S&P 500, as well as the Dow Jones Industrial Average, they had their best week weekly performance since July. So the Nasdaq up 3.3% last week. And if you look at the S&P 500, they had their best week since June, up 2.5%. So there is some optimism in the markets as we, um, I guess, close out the year. If we look at some of the latest economic numbers, US inflation over in the US has eased off. The core inflation index rising around four and a quarter percent year on year. Now that is still above the Fed's target, but the labor market may be cooling off a bit as well. Unemployment rose slightly in the US and job growth slowing, which on the surface may sound not great, but it is potentially good news because it could alleviate pressure on the Fed so that it doesn't raise interest rates again. All right, so you all know I'm a literary gal. I love my words. We did this once before, but some time has passed. So Ryan, I'll ask you again, as we enter the last four months of 2023, if there is one word that best describes markets so far this year, what would that be? Yeah, I would go with optimistic. So it's a bit cliche, but I would say optimistic Mm. because we went through quite a tough year, so many ups and downs. And I think to a certain extent, a lot of the negativity has been priced into markets. So any sign of good news from here on, I think will just be pretty good lift for stocks. And I think this is also coming through with what you outlined with the US economy. Bad news for the economy, good news for markets. And if you look at the numbers we saw last Friday, we had the non-farm payrolls coming in higher, unemployment rate higher, 3.8%, reaching its highest levels in more than a year. And that's above consensus of 3.5%. Average hourly earnings also painting a picture of a slowing economy and easing price pressures. So that increased 4.3%, not as much as the 4.4% consensus forecast. So you have that picture of a slowing economy, and that's going to be good news for interest rates, which may not need to stay as high and as long as what perhaps was penciled in earlier. So that's um, another 
tailwind for markets. Yeah, I'll join you in that estimation, but I'll add a word. Uh, my two words would be cautiously optimistic. I mean, on the one hand, corporate profits came in better than expected this past quarter, and Wall Street analysts are increasing their profit forecast for the first time in two years. Plus, we may be at the end of the Fed's rate hike cycle, so that's all good news. On the other hand, September is historically one of the worst months of the year for U.S. markets. It does lose ground in September more often than it gains. So, yeah, I said one word, so I'll stick to my own rules, I guess. I'm going to narrow down cautiously optimistic to simply cautious. All right, Ryan, let's look ahead. I'm going to give you a slightly shorter time frame. What is your radar looking like for the week ahead? Yeah, a couple of things to look out for and it involves one word, talking. <laughs> so a lot of talking because a couple of are going on. The big one, of course, is what's playing out in the region, the ASEAN summit in Jakarta. So a couple of things on the table here. You've got the Myanmar crisis. That will continue to likely be an overhang around any issue. Mm. And then you have the energy transitioning issue around sustainability, and of course, different stages of development across ASEAN. That's going to be a hot topic. Food security as well, as we see supply chains continue to go through periods of volatility and also um, the usual trade matters will be on the table. And then we have the ASEAN Plus 3 Summit. So we had the ASEAN Summit on Tuesday and then the ASEAN Plus 3 Summit on Wednesday. So this will then include the likes of China, Japan and South Korea. So you can expect some perhaps geopolitics to be in the mix for markets to digest and also some news around semiconductors because one of the biggest events around semiconductors semicon taiwan is going to be happening on wednesday until friday and we've got the big names talking shop you've got tsmc you've got lam research you know you name it they are there and this is all in the backdrop of the restrictions against china for advanced AI chips and so on. So an interesting backdrop against all the leaders talking shop around trade. So you have a bit of data to look forward to, which is the China trade data that will come out on Thursday. And I guess worth noting with the property slump we've been seeing in the past year or so, mm. uh, that is likely to be reflected in the imports of raw materials and whatnot and the import numbers for China. Now, of course, the export numbers will give a glimpse into the regional health for neighbouring countries. Great overview there. Now, in other news, a number of major stock indices are rebalancing. So let's take a look at who's in, who's out, starting with the S&P 500, where one of the world's biggest asset managers and private equity investors is set to join the Blue Chip Index, a company that used to be known as the Internet Upstart is going to join the S&P 500 as well. Who are you thinking are these companies? All right, Ryan, who's joining the S&P 500? Yeah, so you've got a big name, Blackstone. Mm. They are joining the S&P 500 and they are the first alternative asset manager to join the equity gauge. The other one's a popular name as well, Airbnb. So this is going to be joining the index and they will replace the likes of Lincoln National and Newell Brands from September the 18th. And there was a bit of a, I guess, curtain raiser of sorts. People were expecting a Blackstone will be added after in April, S&P Dow Jones decided to drop 
a 2017 rule that would have barred corporations with multiple share classes from joining the index. So that was dropped and then now Blackstone, uh, that kind of paved the way, which Blackstone has a dual share structure mm. um, with unequal voting rights. Say, so they now joined S&P 500. So new look coming soon. And let's look at the impact of uh, the joining the S&P 500 on their share prices. The changes, by the way, to the S&P 500 will take effect on the 18th of September. So look at, let's look at sentiment so far. Shares of Blackstone up 40% since the beginning of the year. Airbnb, they've done even better, up 55%. I'm going to turn to Europe now where one of the world's most famous and prestigious car brands is set to join the Euro Stocks 50 benchmark. Who is it? All right, that car maker has a horse, I think, Ferrari. <laughs> so this is the car maker joining the index in Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 benchmark. Also, a glass manufacturer from France. I'm going to try my my best French, CD Saint-Gobain SA. Sounds just right to me. <laughs> they will join the Euro area's main stock benchmark from September the 18th as well. So it kind of gives a glimpse into who or what companies have been doing well. And of course, um, Ferrari's share price helping it to climb up the market cap um, ladder. Yeah, so like the S&P 500, the changes to the Euro stocks 50 are going to take effect from the 18th of September. And as you heard, Ferrari and the French glass manufacturer, CD Saint-Gobain, are set to join the stocks 50. In fact, Saint-Gobain shares are up more than 30% since January. Ferrari doing even better. Its shares have raced ahead. 60% over the past year. And they've gone up sevenfold since the stock went public about eight years ago. So, um, take a guess for Ferrari sticker symbol. Ryan, do you know what it is? Uh, I would guess it has something to do with the car. So, race. Hey, there you go. Ah, it is race. Go. R-A-C-E. <laughs> Let's bring the conversation to Singapore now. There are no changes to the Straits Times Index itself, you might be wondering. But there is a change to the bench, uh, those companies that are on the reserve list waiting to join the Blue Chip Index. So, the agribusiness Olam is out. Keppel Reit is in. What do you make of this? Yeah, so... No changes. I guess the interesting part is Capital Reed, uh, Reed again, comes back into the fold when it involves the reserve list. And if you look at the reserve list, it is also involving a bunch of other Reed names like Suntech Reed, Capital DC Reed, Fraser Centerpoint Trust, Capital and Escort Trust, all property names. And I guess that's a reflection as well of the share price movements. Uh, typically, you want the or what you expect is the bigger cap names joining the index, at least the reserve list. So if you look at Capital Reed's share price, over the past year, well, it has been quite sluggish. If you look at the past six months, it's down 3.89%. But if you look at where we are for Olam, mm-hmm. it's been going through a harder time. If you look at Olam's share price, well, that is down by over... In the past six months, 23%. In the year-to-date period, down 15.4%. And Olam's share price under pressure due to partly its results. You've got its um, production yield being affected by weather problems. So it can't make as much money as before. And also exceptional losses in play. 
higher net interest costs. All that just weighing on Olam's share price. So having a harder time than Capo. So Capo manages to squeeze in. Before we move on, uh, one more Asian index note. The Kospi over in Korea is set to undergo some changes later this year. An article on Smart Karma says a handful of consumer companies like the Hyundai Home Shopping Network are likely on their way out, while aluminium, steel and paper manufacturing companies are likely in. So remind us why these shifts are important and potentially good news for companies joining the indices. Yeah, any form of movement inclusion into the index or exclusion of the index, typically we'll see at least some knee-jerk responses or reactions in the share price because uh, funds typically have a mandate to track the index and then they will fill out a basket of the stocks they need. So if you're in an index, it means quite likely more interest, more volume, more activity, and that typically means a better share price. Mm. Conversely, if you're not in index, less interest. And then that's typically less support for your share price. And of course, in the near term, if you are kicked out, people will want to remove your stock out of the basket. So there's going to be some selling, at least in the near term. All right, it is time for stocks to watch. I'm going to turn our attention to China's Country Garden. Uh, The company was China's largest private sector property developer. It has fallen onto hard times, to say the least, with record losses. I mean, just last month, Country Garden jolted markets when it missed an initial deadline to make a payment on those offshore bonds. Another payment has come due. Now, this one on some debt denominated in Malaysian ringgit. So what's the latest here? And has Country Gardens met its obligations or not? Yeah. Based on reports, some good news, a bit of a reprieve, uh, at least for its ringgit denominated bond. So based on reports, they have wired that coupon payment worth around $613,000, which was um, due today. But I think the bigger worry is what's happening with the U.S. denominated bonds, which they missed. And now the grace period is middle of this week. So if they don't pay up for that $22.5 million worth of interest on those $2 bonds, then I think you will have a bigger reaction. People will start to panic. Is this another um, big issue for a property sector to... Um, figure out, you know, is this going to be another Lehman issue or Lehman situation for China? You've got so much stress on the property sector. Already, the likes of Country Garden are having trouble with cash flow. If they can't, then they will not be able to deliver on the ongoing construction projects. And then they can't pay their suppliers, they can't pay their vendors. You know, the list goes on. There's going to be a long list of people who will not get paid. And then that will have a knock-on impact to those guys who have to pay their workers. So it's a huge domino effect um, that um, will potentially be something to worry about. A couple of years ago, I was invited to visit this massive country garden project in Malaysia. Uh, Have you been to Forest City? What does it look like? Um, I couldn't make the date. So a lot of listeners, I'm sure, may have heard of it. In fact, my neighbor was just telling me that he was going to cross the border to play golf there. And most of the condos at Forest City were slated to be holiday homes or investments for mainland Chinese. But it is a 100 billion US dollar development, uh, which has hardly gone to plan. Some people call it a ghost town. So do we have anything in the news about how it's being affected by Country Garden's cash flow problems? Well, at least a lot of questions are now being asked. Uh, about what's going on with 
church, country gardens, whatever properties, including what's for a city um, by country garden in Malaysia. As it is already before all these problems came to the fore, you have Forest City facing so many issues like underdeveloped areas, you know, just falling short on promises. So there are still parts of Forest City not fully completed. And those parts that are completed, you don't have anyone living in them because they have not managed to sell completely all the completed units, partly yeah. because the construction came at a very delicate time for China. There was a clamp down on capital going out and Chinese buyers buying overseas properties. So that had an impact on their target audience, which was Chinese property buyers. So that was one big issue. And then, of course, you had a pandemic. So not a lot of um, interest in the past few years in Forest City. So you have a bit of a ghost town going on right now. So the question now being asked is, if Country Garden goes belly up, what's going to happen to Forest City, which is already mm. half completed? Mm-hmm. Um, will they now be well, prioritized in a sense? Because in China, there are already projects which are also facing troubles who is going to be on top of the list when it comes to priority? I would imagine you have to settle your stuff back home first. You've got a lot of um, people who have already paid for their homes in China, now waiting for those homes to be completed. So if Country Garden does not deliver on those homes, it can lead to quite a bit of social unrest. So I think you will have that government pressure coming through for Country Garden to focus back home before elsewhere. Well, speaking of government pressure, Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim is trying to take steps to prevent Forest City from becoming a white elephant, really. He's declared the area to be a special financial zone with lower taxes and special multiple entry visas. It may take more than that, though, to turn this development around. Currently, there are around 9,000 residents, and that is a real far cry from the 700,000 target. Time for corporate news. We do it up or down style. How's Dell looking? All right. Dell is looking super good. And this is its share price rising a whopping 22.2%. A record high for its share price after it raised its full year forecasts. And all in, well, guess it, AI. That is the rosy picture it's painting. More demand for its computer hardware. A bit of a turnaround for Dell after going through a bit of an industry slump for devices. So I would say Dell is looking up. I join you there. Shares of Dell surging more than 20% on Friday on the back of stronger-than-expected earnings. Now, Dell used to be best known for its computers, but it makes servers and other hardware as well. So it's really making waves in the generative AI space. And Morgan Stanley, in fact, has named Dell its top pick in IT hardware. So that's definitely an up for Dell. I want to throw in another one. Let's look at Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. I'm sure you've had your feel in the past two weeks. Uh, I'll go up because of a lot of new titles coming (laughs) on that platform, including this big hit. One Piece. Have you caught that before? Or Manga inspired. I haven't yes. seen it, but I know there's a lot of it's buzz on social media. Got a huge following, yeah. not just for the manga, but also the anime series. Now you've got a live action piece, which is, well, doing quite well. So it has been quite um, a bit of, um, I guess, attraction of sorts for fans of Netflix, and people have been rating it quite highly. So mm. I can. 
Only imagine this is going to mean Netflix will draw in more subscribers down the road if it keeps it up. Yeah, especially if it's done this well, because traditionally, it's been quite hard to turn manga into successful live action, you know. Um, but Netflix seems to have figured out these, uh, the algorithm, shall we say, with one piece. So they put out an eight-episode series, and in case you're wondering, what is this one piece about? It's a retelling of Japan's biggest comic book franchise, all about pirates, I understand. I'm sure there are lots of happy fans out there, so I will give Netflix an up. Well, thank you very much, Ryan Huang. Stay right here on your money. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.